Jay Sigurd here, Starting Point Podcast. We're talking science, faith, and a whole lot more. Buckle up, because it's go time. Jay Sigurd here. Thanks for joining me on today's broadcast. We are headed into part five of Creation in Six Days. Again, it's a challenging topic. We have covered a lot, and we got some great stuff coming up, so you don't want to miss it. But before we get into those details again, a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast and also tell as many friends as you can. We are getting a great reach all across the world, which is very encouraging to me. And if you're able to leave a five-star review, that's a bonus, and we really appreciate it because it helps tremendously. So what can you expect today? I will be finishing up the significance of this issue of creation in six days related to the age of the earth. Again, why does it even matter? What's at stake? Who cares? And then we'll be heading into an examining what scripture actually teaches regarding this. So there's a lot of background we covered before we get into the two main lines of evidence, scripture itself, and then science, which I always say, that's what everyone's waiting for. Well, what do we really know from science? Because that's going to save the day. That's the only thing you can really turn to to come up with any specific confident you know, results. So anyway, as a very brief review from last time, we talked about the importance of time. I gave you a quote from George Wald, who basically was saying that time is the hero of the plot. One only has to wait, and time itself performs the miracles. So even though a lot of these things that are talked about in secular literature, like the origin of the universe out of nothing, or dead chemicals coming together to form a living cell or that single-celled organism copying itself and just getting better and better and turning into people who can write books on the origin of everything else. Uh, even though it sounds kind of crazy, it's it's possible if you have enough time because time is what performs the miracles. You just have to wait. Again, we don't want God doing miracles. That's a religious thing, but we'll let time perform miracles. I also mentioned the card trick that uh, initially really stumped me and actually kind of made me upset, you know, thinking there's no way that this trick can turn out, you know, right. It, that remaining card can't be the one that I picked at the beginning. And then it turned out that it was. So the point was I had at a certain point in time completely ruled out the possibility that that last card face down was really my card because there was no way I could possibly even imagine how that could have worked until I saw that it was my card and it made me rethink. Kind of similar with the age of the earth. Most people think it's not even an option. It is not even an option to consider anything other than billions of years because nothing else works. It doesn't pay to spend any time whatsoever looking at any supposed evidence for that. Don't even give it the time of day. Just, I mean, just move on. That's the mindset. It had been trying to offer a lot of reasons why you should just take a breath and actually think about some of these other things because it's going to be kind of like that card being turned over on that table. So new stuff. Um, in the midst of talking about the significance of everything and the, and the general mindset that people have, regarding the topic of the age of the earth. Again, I admitted in one of the first two podcasts that that is a general perception of most people, that it's just kind of a given that the earth is billions of years old because they've heard it over and over and over and over. So 
anyone else coming along to question that is going to look like a nut job. I get that. I expect that. And I'm also eager to share information that these people have never heard. Now, you need more than two seconds to do that, and that's why we have this podcast series, and I'm extremely appreciative of you actually listening to this. Hopefully, you'll, you'll gain a lot of really interesting information going through it. But in the backdrop of most people just taking for granted everything's billions of years old and nothing else makes sense, every other view, which is really one view that things are relatively young, that's just crazy. So... With that context, there was someone who often wanted to pick a fight with me. They just couldn't help but just be poking at me all the time. And I I would respond casually. I knew who they were, and I was kind of used to that. But they would very often bring up things related to the age of the earth. And one statement that this guy made was, the earth has to be old. I mean, he he says, I mean, look, look at the mountains. And I just said, what about the mountains? He goes, well, they're old. And I just asked, oh, what, what makes them old? Well, well, they're, they're just old. Um, not a very powerful response, but pretty common. I mean, people would say, oh, yeah, the mountains are old. They're, I don't know, millions of years old or whatever. Oh, why? Because they're mountains. Well, why does it make them old? Well, it takes millions of years to form mountains. How do you know that? <laughs> Have you been around for millions of years to see what goes on? I know you've been taught that, so I know you automatically associate mountains with millions of years, but when you look at a mountain, how do you know it's millions of years old? We we actually do see things form catastrophically in recent events. There's a lot of those examples, so why do we look at the mountains and we weren't there when they formed, but why do we assume those took millions of years when we see other things forming in short periods of time? It's just kind of a given. Again, it's in the textbooks, and we hear it over and over, so it just absolutely must be true. So, and it's not just skeptics who are staunchly entrenched in the concept of millions and billions of years. Christians often exhibit the same behavior, partially because they've grown up in the same educational system. They're hearing the same messages from kindergarten on up. I mean, kindergarten, you talk about dinosaurs. Right from the get-go, dinosaurs roamed the earth for 150 million years. They died out 65 million years ago. So you're just, you're used to that. I grew up learning that. I went to public school. So I learned all about dinosaurs millions of years ago. And I thought it was cool. It's like, wow, these dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. Then I would go to church and I would hear other things about Jesus in the Bible, and I was like, that's cool too. And then I go to, tr- to school and learn about dinosaurs and the origin of the universe and mountains and all that. And I went back to church and learned about Jesus and being good and all that. And I, I didn't really see a problem between the two until I started reading the Bible more and say, wait a minute, the stuff that's in the Bible about creation and the flood and all that, that, that's a very different story than what I'm learning at school. And eventually I had to grapple with that. And, and I did, and I've given some of my backstory earlier on. But my main point for now is that many Christians have the same thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes that, that skeptics do. I'm going to give you one example, and I'm actually going to name the person, not with the goal of disparaging this person. If this was the only person out there who said this, I probably wouldn't even have to bother mentioning their name, but this is just an example of what you would actually find coming from maybe a number of prominent Christians. So this is just an example. I'm not picking on him. This particular person said a lot of things that I would 
totally agree with. Not, not everything, but there were a lot of things I would be in total agreement with him on. The person is someone everyone's heard of, passed away not that long ago, uh, Pat Robertson. Uh, everyone has uh, probably an opinion of Pat Robertson, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is. Again, I'm not picking on him. I'm just using this as one of many examples. And this is a pretty good example because there's a lot here that we could discuss. So Pat Robertson, a television evangelist, was talking about creation and the biblical account. And there's a lot in here, so I will quote it and then we'll discuss it briefly here. He said, quote, Look, I know that people will probably try to lynch me when I say this, but Bishop James Usher wasn't inspired by the Lord when he said that it all took 6,000 years. It just didn't. You go back in time. you got radiocarbon dating. you got all these things, and you've got the carcasses of dinosaurs frozen in time out in the Dakotas. They're out there. So there was a time when these giant reptiles were on the earth, and it was before the time of the Bible. So don't try to cover it up and make like everything was 6,000 years. That's not the Bible. If you fight revealed science, you're going to lose your children. And I believe in telling it the way it was. The truth is, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to think that the earth we live in only has 6,000 years of existence, unquote. There is so much in here. I could do a whole series just on this quote. Fortunately, we will cover a lot of that in the rest of this podcast series. Uh, but we could spend hours and hours just on it. Um, he mentions radiocarbon dating. Like, of course, the earth can't be young. We got radiocarbon dating. We will talk about radiocarbon dating, carbon-14. I won't get overly technical, but I'll explain the important things about it, and you'll get it. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. Then he says, we've got dinosaurs frozen in time out in the Dakotas. Yeah, we have dinosaurs. We do find them in the Dakotas. <laughs> what about them? We will talk about dinosaurs, and it will probably blow you away some of the stuff you're going to hear and it's not even questioned in science we yeah yeah they know that they just don't know what to do with it we'll get to that and then he says that referring to these dinosaurs that was before the time of the bible uh before the time of the bible i maybe i missed something and i'm not trying to be overly sarcastic or condescending i don't want to do that but i'm sounding that way right now as i think about this um, when I read the Bible, I could have sworn that Genesis 1-1 said, in the beginning. Um, if there was stuff going on, especially stuff like dinosaurs, before that, then that wasn't the beginning. The Bible not only claims that was the beginning, it says it was the beginning of everything, because God created the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. The Bible encompasses all of history from the very beginning of the existence of anything physical through eternity. That's what the Bible covers. So how can you have before the time of the Bible? I, I doubt that Pat Robertson even thought through what he was saying there. I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And he absolutely does not understand these other things. He's not an expert in carbon-14 dating. 
He probably has done very little reading about it at all. Someone else just told him, well, of course the earth is old. We know that. We have radiometric dating. We have carbon-14 dating. We know dinosaurs are millions of years old. So he's hearing all that from experts. And now he takes that and reads scripture and says, well, it doesn't mean what it says. It must mean something different. And if you don't take into account these things from the secular literature, you are deaf, dumb, and blind. I mean, those are his words. I think that's that's very demeaning and condescending, but you know, that's what he chose to say, and I'm just quoting him. And it's not just him. There are other Christian leaders who would go that route. Some maybe are a little bit more gracious about it. Some believe all that. They just don't state it publicly so they don't have to be confronted with it. And that's a very common thing too, is that we'll just won't talk about it. We'll say it doesn't really matter. There are different views on all sides and you know it's really not that important. It's divisive and we're just here to focus on Jesus. I mentioned all that in the past. So I was just talking to a good friend of mine uh, very recently. In fact, it's the guy who opened the door for me to speak at the U.S. Naval Academy four times so far and already scheduled again for next year. Hey, Jerry. <laughs> um, and the topic of the age of the earth came up. And he said that he's been experiencing more and more people saying, if you actually believe in a literal six-day creation, they lump you into a group with all other conspiracy theorists who they also believe the earth is flat and that we never landed on the moon, etc. They often throw in Bigfoot and aliens as well, whatever, just throw it all in there, all these conspiracy theorists, and you're part of it. You believe in six-day, oh my word, you're a nut job, and you probably believe in all those other things too. So are we to say that we reject conspiracy theories, well, except for the conspiracy theory about the age of the earth? No, not at all. The age of the earth does not qualify as a conspiracy theory. Um, Creationists who believe in a literal six-day creation, they don't think that all their scientists are lying to everyone. Seriously, I don't think the scientists are lying. You know, we don't think they're all sitting around in some dark, smoke-filled room, you know, all agreeing to lie about what they know is true. Not at all. I think the majority of scientists who believe in the Big Bang and billions of years do so very sincerely. They are personally convinced that those things are true. They're facts of science. Most of those scientists, however, don't really know much about the science behind those ideas because it's not their area of expertise. Just like when we were talking about creation versus evolution, the majority of scientists believe in evolution because the majority of scientists believe in evolution. Some of these brilliant, brilliant PhD scientists, they're doing food preservatives, making rocket fuel, doing they're doing cool stuff, but they haven't really studied like origins and evolution and all that. They just kind of go along with evolution because there are other scientists out there who do study it, and they say, hey, we got this one. Yeah, evolution's a fact. So they're like, okay, you know, I'm not questioning you about your area, and you don't question me about food preservatives or whatever. So that's one of the reasons why so many scientists believe what so many scientists believe. They're convinced those things are true because other experts experts have you know supposedly proven it i mean if they haven't they'd say so right because i mean scientists are unbiased right they're just looking at evidence that hey whatever it is that's what it is well i've covered that in great detail in the past too no scientists are not unbiased especially when it comes to what we call historical science talking about what happened in the past when we didn't see it happen 
We're not so worried about the operational science, doing stuff in the laboratory, making cell phones and curing diseases. That's great stuff. There's there's rarely really significant questions about that, especially with being biased or unbiased, unless you want to bring in that you're getting some money in your back pocket from some pharmacy company to promote one thing over another. Yeah, that can happen too, but it's not about a conspiracy. When we're talking about the age of the earth, it's about a different view based on strong lines of evidence that can at any time be discussed and debated. So why don't we get exposed to the evidence from both sides? Well, it's because there really is no scientific evidence for the literal six-day creation. It's all just a religious belief, so there's nothing to debate. That's what they want you to believe. Well, how do, how do you know there's no scientific evidence? Well, because the experts have reviewed it for us. They, they've reviewed it for us. They've done the heavy lifting, and we just need to trust them. There's nothing to see here. Just they tell you there's nothing out there. Trust them and move on. That's what happens. However, we can make a very strong case for a relatively young Earth and universe just from science. We wouldn't even have to refer to the Bible. How come no one gets to hear any of it? Yes, you can go to a creation conference or you can subscribe to and read the technical journals that you know we produce and we can you can find articles on the internet, but that pales in comparison to the other view using billions of our tax dollars to in a sense force just one view onto our youth and other adults. That's what our public school systems and universities are premised on. There is one view. There's only one game in town. If you go to a public grade school, junior high, high school, or a state university, you are going to learn the Big Bang is basically a fact. And the Big Bang, when you really push it, yeah, it probably came from nothing, or maybe there were two Big Bangs now they talk about, but what came before the, the two Big Bangs, you know, and they have all these strange ideas, which I covered in a whole series on the origin of the universe, but that's what they're teaching. There was a big bang. What it came from was probably nothing. There was a quantum fluctuation and a vacuum and, you know, whatever. So that's what they're going to teach. They're going to teach that, you know, the earth formed 4.6 billion years ago. Dead chemicals came together about 3.8 billion years ago to form a living cell. And that living cell copied itself. And then through natural selection and mutations, it turned into every other life form on this planet. And we've evolved from ape, ape man. And there's so many uh, evidences for that. That's a fact. That's what we're teaching because there are no other views. If there were, we would tell you. But for right now, that's it. We've basically proven that. That's what you're going to hear over and over and over no other view is allowed anytime at the microphone. Uh, and again, if you doubt that, I've mentioned this in the past, the documentary called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. That was not a documentary against evolution. Not at all. It was not even a documentary trying to support intelligent design or certainly not creation. It was simply saying, if you are in the scientific community, whether you're teaching or doing research or whatever, if you dare to publicly say you doubt evolution, you're probably toast, lose your job, can't get research grant money. I've talked about all that in the past, especially when we did our podcast series on intelligent design. So you're only going to hear one view over and over and over. So when someone else comes along and says, you know, I actually don't think that's correct, we get laughed at because, yeah, 
you're right and all the scientists are wrong. Again, that's very intimidating for someone to say that, and it, I understand that. But it's not about a majority view. We don't determine scientific truth by majority vote. Scientists don't vote on something and say, okay, now we're going to say that's a fact that's true. No, they have to have evidence. And as I've mentioned in the past, it often only takes one fact to overturn something that was taught for years and years and years. And, and there are many examples of things like that. So it takes actual evidence. But if you're not allowed to hear the evidence, you're going to go continuing on to believe the one side of the story. And everyone else is going to look like a conspiracy theorist. So I want to jump into briefly a quick history lesson here to cover what went on in history? Where were we with our view on the age of the earth? Where are we now? And how did it change? This will, this will be brief. And we are looking at a Christian context here. What did Christians believe in the past for most of history? What do many Christians now believe? And is it different? And if so, how did it change? When did it change? Why did it change? This is really really important. I used to hate history, couldn't stand it, and now there's even more of it. Um, but as I got into studying a defense of the Christian worldview, I got kind of enamored with history. Like, wow, this is this is important stuff to, to realize what happened when and make sure we don't repeat the same things and all of that. In fact, when I was in college, I had to, I was forced to take one history class, which I dreaded. I never even bought the book because I couldn't stand reading and I didn't want to read history. So I took the whole class. It didn't go well. Uh, we don't need the details on that. But uh, you don't buy the book. It's hard to pass the test. So, But we're going to look at history here. For most of Christian history, the majority view on the earth and creation was that God created everything in six literal solar days beginning thousands of years ago. Today, we would say probably close to 6,000 years ago. As crazy as that might sound, that's what was believed based on what they were reading in Scripture. This is all prior to having modern science or anything. You had the Jews and you had Christians studying the Old Testament, the New Testament, and it seemed very clear this is depicting a literal six-day creation. And you look at the chronology and genealogies and you, you go back to roughly 4,000 B.C., plus or minus whatever. I don't care about the exact number. I'll mention that again later. But roughly 4,000 B.C., which sounds absolutely absurd. I get that. But that's what the view was based on what Scripture said. But the tide turned, and I'm going to mention briefly three particular characters, one of which everyone knows, the other two you probably never heard of. Charles Darwin, that's the one everyone knows, and then two other guys, James Hutton and Charles Lyell. Now, a lot of people, uh, especially maybe Christians, come down kind of hard on Darwin. Oh, he invented the idea of evolution and that ruined everything. Uh, no, uh, he did not invent the idea of evolution. It had been around quite a while. He just popularized it. In fact, there's quite a bit of evidence. He plagiarized a fair amount. <laughs> That'd be a whole other story. But he certainly did popularize it in 1859 when he wrote The Origin of Species. He, Darwin, did not write The Origin of Species in a vacuum, meaning he didn't wake up one day planning to play tennis but it was raining out. So he said, uh, you know what? I think I'll write The Origin of Species instead. No, 
there were things going on prior to his existence that led him to do what he did. So we need to take a look at the historical significance of that. We will start out talking about James Hutton. Lived in the 1700s. He is considered the father of modern geology. So this is a guy researching and writing basically two generations prior to Darwin. So Darwin's not around yet. Two generations prior, James Hutton writes this in 1795 in a paper called Theory of the Earth. This is what he wrote. Quote, The past history of our globe must be explained by what can be seen to be happening now. No powers are to be employed that are not natural to the globe. No action to be admitted except those of which we know the principle. Unquote. What was he saying? He's saying when we look at the physical earth, we have to restrict explaining these physical features, you know, Mount Everest, Grand Canyon, whatever. We can only resort to looking at things we are seeing happening today, these slow natural processes, wind, rain, a little bit of erosion, whatever. We can only use those to explain the formation of these huge mountains and huge canyons and all that. That was not a scientific discovery. That was a philosophical decision to rule out anything catastrophic or supernatural. And it's called something, we call it uniformitarianism. (laughs) Big word, uniformitarianism. That just means uniform processes going on for long periods of time. So it's just the slow natural processes we observe today. Well, if, if that were true, I'd be the first to agree. It would take a long time to form those mountains and all the layers we see in the Grand Canyon and to carve out the canyon. Yeah, probably you're probably talking millions of years. If that were true, that was his philosophical decision to resort to just slow natural processes. Now, this is all predicted in the Bible, actually, in 2 Peter chapter 3. I don't have time to jump into that right now when I cover the flood. I talked about 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, Peter predicted that the skeptics of our time would say everything continues on the way it always has from the beginning of the universe. Nothing major has happened. That's uniformitarianism. No major catastrophes. So, <clears throat> He establishes modern geology based on slow natural processes. So all of a sudden, the earth became very old. They weren't sure how old, but very, very old. And then the next guy, Charles Lyell, comes on the scene. He was actually born the year James Hutton died. Charles Lyell wrote a three-volume series entitled Principles of Geology. And he admitted his goal in writing Principles of Geology was to, quote, Free the science from Moses, unquote. What does that mean? Well, who's Moses? Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis, which talks all about creation and the Genesis flood, Genesis chapter 6 through 8. Lyell wanted to make sure we disconnect from the Bible and its supernatural creation account and this catastrophic worldwide flood. Get away from that. Explain everything by slow, natural processes. So that continued. And then Darwin comes along, 1859, and says, you know what, if these guys are able to explain the physical features of the earth by these newly discovered, 
millions and millions of years in slow natural processes, maybe he, Darwin, could explain living things developing by slow natural processes over the newly discovered millions and millions of years. Now, again, the years weren't discovered. They were a necessity if you're going to rule out catastrophic action, which they decided they're going to ignore that. Nothing is catastrophic. No matter what the Bible says, no matter what things actually look like, we've just decided that. No other option. We're sticking with that. So in their minds, the earth has to be very, very, very old. Darwin jumped on that and then wrote The Origin of Species. Many Christian theologians at the time of Hutton and Lyell, prior to Darwin, they thought, wow, if these scientists have discovered the earth is millions of years old, we're going to have to go back into Scripture and see what we missed and reinterpret to incorporate these newly discovered millions and millions of years. Now, from my studying, it seems like many of these Christian theologians were pretty sincere. They weren't trying to be deceptive uh, on purpose or anything, but they felt beholden to the scientists' conclusions, even though it wasn't a scientific decision, it was philosophical, but they just accepted it as being true because it was coming from the, quote, scientific community. So they went in, they came up with different ways of squeezing millions and billions of years into the Bible, specifically into the Genesis creation account. So they came up with something called the gap theory by Thomas Chalmers and the day-age theory and something called framework hypothesis. I probably will briefly cover those when we get to the segment where we're discussing what scripture actually conveys. But these were just different theories and ideas of how could we get the millions and billions of years to fit in with the Genesis creation account. Just a sneak preview. Uh, God created in six days. Well, maybe those days weren't actually like the days you and I know of. Because what? God's time is not our time, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and a day is a thousand years, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, the days weren't regular days. They were millions or billions of years each. So God created in six days, but they're not regular days. The earth is billions of years old, and God used all these processes over those billions of years. That's how it fits. Great, and we can move on. Again, you know, fairly sincere in trying to do that, but we're going to see later that doesn't cut it. <laughs> it doesn't cut it biblically, and it doesn't cut it scientifically, but we'll get into that. <clears throat> Um, whenever attempts are made to merge the Bible with seemingly disparate secular views, it is most often the case that the Bible gets changed and morphed to fit with the existing secular view. The secular views often emerge virtually unchanged in any significant way. It's always the Bible that gives way. It's the Bible that yields. It yields precedence to the secular thinking. So you, you think you're putting them together, but you, you've pretty much wholeheartedly taken, like, let's say the Big Bang, and just said, well, that's how God did it, so these words don't mean that, they mean something else. So it was the Bible that gets contorted and twisted to fit with the secular theory, rather than thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe these secular scientists are off. I mean, very often they admit they're off when you see the phrase, this changes everything. I've mentioned that in the past. Very sensational. Wow, they've discovered something that changes everything. Very exciting. I want to learn all about it. Yeah, it might be exciting, but you know what else you're learning? They were wrong in what they confidently told you was right before because this new thing changes everything. So they should scream, we were wrong about everything before. 
We're not going to do that. And then when they show you the new thing, they say, now we really know because we discovered this. You know, okay, yeah, we might have been wrong before, but you know, but now we've just we've just got modern science and we've got new data and more data than we've ever had. Now, now we actually know until they discover something else and the headlines, this changes everything, and now the universe is twice as old as we thought. And yeah, we were wrong before, but you can trust us now. Rather than saying, you know what, we have discovered something really exciting, and it kind of you know, took us for a loop because we just like, wow, this doesn't make sense. This actually means that what we were thinking is wrong. And we can actually be pretty confident now that that is wrong. And now with this new data, we are heavily leaning towards thinking this particular view is correct. I'd have respect for that if they said, we are really leaning towards this other view now because of this new data. But no, they said, now we know, now we know. And so we need to keep that in mind anytime we're looking at evidence, especially with, with the science stuff. Um, we're going to be moving on in the next podcast to point number two in our outline, what does Scripture say? Many of you have been waiting for that. Others are going to even be appeasing me getting through that till we get to the science stuff. We will take a look at what does Scripture actually say. And for the Christian in particular, that's going to be incredible incredibly important because my views, my philosophy, my thoughts, my conjectures might be interesting. They shouldn't matter really at all. In the end, it shouldn't matter what I think. In fact, I always say I would much, much, much rather have my audiences walking away believing that the earth and universe are billions of years old, maybe even believing in the Big Bang, maybe even evolution, if if they themselves studied Scripture and they were so convinced that the actual Hebrew and Greek text teach those things, I would have respect that they did the hard work of studying and praying and let the Holy Spirit leading them. I would disagree with their conclusion, but who cares? I am not the judge. I would still respect the fact that they had personal study, and that's the direction they're going for now. I would respect them so much more than someone who says, I wasn't sure before, but after listening to Jay, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, so I believe in that six-day thing now. Well, I guess I'd be glad that you believe in the six-day, but I'd be scared because your trust at that point is in me and not in Scripture. You wouldn't be able to defend so much what I'm saying unless you remember all this stuff, which that's not going to happen. You need to spend time yourself in God's Word and let God direct you through His Holy Spirit. That's the only, only way of success. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to guide you down those paths rather than strong-arming you into believing what I've come up with. So it's not about me. It's not about anyone else's theories. It's about what does Scripture say. And when we jump into the science thing, then I'll have more of the attention of the skeptics saying, okay, you got my attention now because now we're talking about something I believe in. I believe in science. Thanks for sticking uh, in with me along this way. We'll get to that. It'll be awesome. We're winding down for now. We're headed into part six next time. Again, remember to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and we'll see you next time. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Starting Point Podcast. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's the number one way 
to help us reach more and more people with these important and inspiring messages. To learn more about myself, Jay Siegert, and The Starting Point Project, please visit us at thestartingpointproject.com. We'll catch you next time.